Hey, good evening and good Friday to everybody. Um, Pastor John here, and it's uh, going to be a great night. I'm really glad everyone's uh, stepping in to, to watch. We are in um, Good Friday edition, but day three of 50 days of preparation. And um, if you, you want to, go ahead and open up your Bible to Genesis 20. Two. We're going to start in Genesis 22. I'll tell you the verse here in just a second, but I hope you have a Bible. I hope you have a notebook and taking notes to this. Uh, like I said before, you know, the value that we assign to our time in the Word and our, our time together in the Word is going to be really important. Nothing affects you beyond the value that you assign to it. Um, and, and so we want to approach this time during these 50 days of preparation, our time together in the Word. I know many of you are sitting down at seven with your families and watching it. Uh, kids are watching. Give a shout out to all faith kids that are watching and grace kids. And, um, and, uh, and, and then some of you are watching later. Some of you tell me you watch it in the morning time. And, and so many people watch it at different times. But get out your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to pray here in just a minute. And, um, uh, and people have asked me about this, the scripture verse. And so I just want to let you know this, this preparation and these 50 days of preparation, it's got to be more than just you watching a, a, a video on Facebook Live. You have to spend your time in the Word. Uh, nothing has transformed my life more than spending time in God's Word, listening for His voice. And so you need to be doing that and, and, and really felt led to, to narrow the focus. And so we're focusing on one scripture. And so if you really want to have the full effect, full preparation, um, and maximum impact to the, in these 50 days of preparation so that, so that your heart is, is fully exposed and can fully experience the, all the preparation that God wants to release into your life, then focus on these couple things. One verse, one verse for a week that every day, and this week it's Exodus 3.8. So every, we started on Wednesday, um, April 8th, I believe it was, and just th three days ago. And so every Wednesday, we'll, we'll get a new verse. And for this first week, the verse is Exodus 3, 8. Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. And I want you to read it at least two to three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And, and read it with an open heart. Pray and ask God to, to just unpack that verse. And for every overachiever in the house, like, oh, I, I'll, read, I'll read the whole chapter. Or I'll read the whole book of Exodus. For the 50 days of preparation, change what you normally do. I believe it's going to give God an opportunity to, to bring you further and deeper into his word. So, so two or three times a day, read uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. And begin to look for some things as you pray and say, God, open my eyes, open my heart. And you, you begin to look for what do you see? What do you see in that scripture that reveals God's nature, reveals his person, reveals his character? It's really important to, to know and be discipled in the name of God and, and to know who he is, to know who he is. And, and then begin to 
Ask, and as you read and as you think about what you're reading, read it in different translations. Look at it different ways. Turn your Bible up, read it upside down if you need to, but look at it from different angles and different uh, uh, translations and pray. Say, God, open my eyes, help me to see. And then, God, what are you saying to me? So the first one is, what do I see about your nature, who you are, your person, your character? And then what, what are you saying to me? And, and then look and say, is there a command for me to obey? God, is there a command that you want me to obey? And you, it might surprise you. It may not be obvious, but he may speak some things to you. And, and then what I'd like you to do is to meditate on that. And what I mean by that is you, you read it. Read it in the morning. Come back. Read it again at lunchtime. Come back. Read it again that night. And as you do that, that word starts starts going into into your mind and into your heart. And his word will land upon your heart. And when the word is upon your heart, you won't even have to look it up on your phone or in your Bible anymore because it'll be it'll be in your heart. And and as as the word of God is in your heart, you you memorize it in order to meditate on it, to chew on it, to consider it, and to to think about it. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you in different ways. And so when I like to have, you know, really focus in and put my mind on, on the Word of God and focus on the Word of God, I, like, I do it like this. I say it. I start saying it. And you might want to write this down. I, I'll say it. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the things to write down and then I'll explain them. I say it. I see it. I feel it. And I do it. And the order may be a little different depending on the Scripture, and depending on you know my my how familiar I am with that scripture, but I try to say it, see it, feel it, and do it. So that one scripture all week, I want you to think about this. So say it, say it out loud. Don't just say it in your head. Say it out loud. There's something unique when you put God's word in your mouth. Then your ears, when you start saying it out loud, you're putting God's word from your mouth into your ears. And from your ears, it begins to go down into your heart. And then your heart will start receiving it and you'll start saying it with more faith and more passion, which will start making you hear it with more faith and more passion, which makes you, it makes it go deeper into your heart with more faith and more passion. And then I want you to see it with, with the, the, your mind's eye. Um, I want you to see God's word being fulfilled in your life. That promise, that, that whatever that word is describing, I want you to see the promise of that word being fulfilled in your life. Like you're watching a movie of yourself, but that word is being fulfilled. See that word being fulfilled in your life. Then I want you to feel it. As you see that word being fulfilled, I want you to feel the joy of walking in obedience to Christ. I want you to feel the joy of what it is to walk in that awesome, intimate relationship with Jesus. What, what does that feel like? And, and give yourself permission by faith to feel, feel that word, you know, in, in your heart and in your life, and then do it. Just, just all on what, just do it. Your faith should go to work. See, Works never produces faith, but faith always produces works. So do it. If there's something in your life that is not in alignment with the truth of that particular scripture, then, then repent. Change the way you think and align your life and change your actions. 
Change your action. So say it, see it, feel it, do it. So one scripture, one verse, every day, two or three times a day, uh, pray, look for God's nature, look for his person and character. Um, Ask God, what are you saying to me? What are you showing me? Um, Begin to, you know, Lord, is there something you want me to obey, a command to obey? Then say it, see it, feel it, do it. And write all that stuff down. Write down every day. Even if it's like, oh, I had a good time with the Lord, but he didn't really say much to me today. Whatever. Write, write it down. Get in the habit. Get in the habit. Even if it's not like life changing that day. What will change your life is the small things. Reading the word every day. Praying every day. Writing down what God is saying to you every day will prepare your heart for, to receive revelation from him. And then I want you to, to, to phone a friend, call somebody. A couple of people were talking to me about, um, you know, what they heard from the Lord today. One was talking about the, how it reminded them of the kingdom of God, of Colossians chapter one, of how we've been transferred uh, from the domain of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God. And, and, and so that, that's very true. Another person spoke something to me today about how God was speaking to them as they were meditating on this verse, uh, Exodus 3.8. And God spoke to them about uh, when God brought them out of Egypt, all through the wilderness, uh, there's lots of different things that happened and we'll get into some of those things, but how God spoke to them about, you know, even though God corrected them and there was, he confronted them and he confronted their disobedience, he confronted, you know, all that stuff. In the midst of, of correcting them and, and, and confronting them, and all the difficulties that he had to confront them on in their disobedience, he never threatened to bring them back to Egypt. Man, I thought that was powerful. And I'm gonna, I'm keep, I'm gonna keep reading to check this out. And this person asked me, "Hey, Pastor, check this out. Make sure, make sure that is the voice of God." Because, but to my knowledge, and, and I may stand corrected, but to my knowledge, as I know what I know about Scripture, is they wanted to go back to Egypt, but. But God never threatened them like, I'm going to bring you back there. I'm going to bring you back from what I took you out of. And, and so I thought that was a great, great thing that God spoke to them as they were just meditating on one verse. So I believe we, I believe less can produce more. And so, um, and then I want you to take communion every day after you call a friend um, and, and don't, don't everybody call me. Don't, don't, you don't have to call me and share it. I love hearing different things and, and you can share stuff with us, but I want you to call somebody not in your household and maybe call that same person. Hey, you mind if I call you every day or text you every day and just to share, Hey, I read my verse. And even on the day when you, maybe you didn't hear anything, Hey, I read my verse and had a great time with the Lord. How was your day? Or how did you read the verse? And if, the other person's like, I didn't read the verse. Just encourage them. Don't criticize them. Don't belittle them. Just encourage them. Hey, well, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. Read the verse tomorrow. Pray tomorrow. I'd love to hear what God shares with you. Do that with other people. They don't have to be a part of Faith Center. Um, and you say, people have asked me, well, well, Pastor, can some of my friends and family, I'm, I'm sharing this post with them. And you feel free to share the Facebook post, share the video, share, share it with them. And if it's day 10, day 20, and they're like, well, I, can they join? Yeah, they can join. They can j- join on day 50 if they want, because they'll be able to go back and watch all the videos 
Uh, so if you want to share it with friends and family, do that, but make sure you share what God is saying to you and then listen um, to celebrate and encourage when God is sharing to somebody else. So Genesis chapter 22, on, and on day three, I want to talk to you about the promise of the Passover lamb. We've been talking about this a little bit, but today on Good Friday, I want to break some things down to you. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you for your word. We speak peace over this house and peace over every single house represented. Father, we thank you that we are in a time of preparation. We thank you that from Passover to Pentecost, you are not only doing things in our lives and in our church family, in our extended families, in our city, in our region, in churches and pastors and of our city. Lord, we believe you're doing something in our state and in our nation, in our world. And I just thank you, Lord. I just thank you for a supernatural increase in favor in all areas of our lives. That you take the difficult, bad, and hard stuff and you work it out for good. So we trust you, Lord. And we want to lean in to listen to you, to pay attention to your voice. So speak to us tonight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So on Good Friday, we, you know, traditionally you celebrate the crucifixion of Jesus, which sounds kind of weird. Good Friday and celebrating a crucifixion. But when you understand he is our Passover lamb and the promise of the Passover lamb, you begin to see the wisdom of God unfold. And now the crucifixion is not just this event that happened. It's part of the unfolding of the wisdom of God, that he's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And that God is unfolding this, this wise story of history, his story being unfolded. And, and at the appointed time, he sent his son, the Passover lamb to be our savior and our deliverer. And so as we celebrate Good Friday, and we look to the scriptures, we celebrate the goodness and the good news of the Passover lamb who was crucified as a substitute sacrifice in our behalf. And to start with that, I want to look in Genesis 22. Look in Genesis 22. You know the story. Um, Abraham offering his son. God asked Abraham to offer his son, not because God wanted Abraham's son. God was looking for faith. God was wanting, God was looking for faith. God was not wanting to take Abraham's son because it was Abraham's only begotten son. God actually was wanting to give his only begotten son. And so he was looking for a man who's willing to give a son so that, so that at, at God's word to believe God so that the father, so that G, so that the father could send Jesus as a son. And, and so he, you can read the whole story later, but, but he, he, puts the wood upon Isaac, which is symbolic of Jesus carrying the cross, the son carrying the cross, because Isaac, uh, Abraham is a type of father. Isaac is a type and, and shadow of Christ. And, and so they go up to this hill to worship God and provide the sacrifice. And Isaac's carrying the wood up the hill and lots of stuff is happening. And then in verse seven, uh, uh, Isaac asked Abraham, he says, hey, where's the lamb? He's looking around like, where, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? Where's the lamb? And then verse eight, and Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb. 
That is a prophetic declaration of covenant promise, the promise of the Passover lamb, saying, mankind, we are not going to have to provide the lamb of God because it is God will provide for himself. God is the provider. See, God is the priest and the sacrifice. He, he's, he's providing in his wisdom and in his love, God will provide a lamb. So the sacrificial Passover lamb was not, was not just provided to Israel. So all around the world this week, Jews are celebrating their Seder meals, remembering Passover, saying God has provided Israel a lamb. But listen to me, God did not just provide a Passover lamb to Israel. God provided a Passover lamb to Israel to be a prototype and a blueprint for the Passover lamb that God provided to the whole world and his name is Jesus and he is the Passover lamb, the lamb that God provided. So with that in mind, turn with me to um, Isaiah chapter 53. And what I want to do tonight is I just want to read Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. This chapter is all about what some call the suffering servant, but it's all about the promise of the Passover lamb. And it gives us a description of, of how Jesus was our substitute sacrifice and what it was like for him to become our Passover lamb. So Isaiah 53, starting in verse one, read with me. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord uh, been revealed? Man, I just... I'm going to try not to break up through this, but I know I'm going to, going to do this a little bit. It's like, do you believe God's report? You know, there's people all over the world. There's even Jewish people, many, many Jews who do not believe the report of the Lord because they don't believe Jesus is the, is the Messiah. They don't believe Jesus is the Passover lamb. They're still waiting for Messiah to come. But so they're not believing, in my opinion, the report of the Lord. Remember John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What he says, behold, see, see, do you see? This is the Lamb of God. I see, I see nothing more beautiful than when a Jewish person like John the Baptist says, see, I see, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so he's the Passover Lamb and we gotta believe the report that he's revealing. Verse two, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men. That means forsaken by men. A man of sorrows, and that word sorrows means pain. And acquainted with grief. That word grief means sickness. And we hid as it were, our faces from him. That means we, we didn't like looking at him. We didn't, even, we didn't look to him or didn't like looking at him. He was despised and we did not esteem or recognize him. Verse four, surely he has borne or carried or bore our griefs, and that means sicknesses, and carried our sorrows, which means pain. See, in the death of Christ, a Passover lamb, he bore our sicknesses and, and he bore our pain. That's why I was telling us the other night, the promise of God 
prevails over pain. The promise of God prevails over sickness because the Passover lamb took the pain, took the sickness, and through his sacrificial offering, the promise prevailed. Verse, uh, the middle of verse four, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten. That means struck down by God and afflicted. That's what we thought of him. But he was wounded. That means pierced for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. So what that, the, 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 the wounded means pierced. That's a, that's a piercing. That's for our transgressions and transgressions is basically simply put is your, is your rebellious outward sin your acts of sin. And so he was pierced on the out he was pierced on the outside for our rebellious outward sin. But he was uh bruised which is which is being pierced on the inside like bleeding on the inside for our inward sins. So he bled for our outward sins, but he bled inwardly for our inward sins. Mm. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, meaning the stripes that went across his back, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb, the Passover lamb, led as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Let me just tell you something right there. If you look in like um, uh, Romans chapter three, it says that uh, it talks about being under the law, that, that the law is there to stop or shut the mouth of everyone who tries to justify themselves. Like, so, so the, the reason why he stayed quiet on the cross, he could have justified himself. He could have said, hold up, I didn't do it. Hold up, I'm not guilty. Because he took your sin and my sin by faith. He took my transgressions by faith. He took my iniquity by faith. And he died as a Passover lamb by faith. And he could have said, he could have opened his mouth and justified himself. But his sil- he was silent because we have no option before God except to be silent because before God, you and I are guilty. Before God, he is innocent. So the switch happened. Before God, he became silent and he became guilty so that we could be justified. And so in Romans 3, it talks about, talks about the law is used to silence and shut and stop the mouth of everyone who tries to justify themselves before God because Jesus and his sacrifice, the Passover lamb, is our only justification. He is my righteousness. He is my life. So verse eight, he was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living and for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich in his death. And what that means is he was crucified by two, by two thieves, between two thieves, he was crucified, but 
but he was in the, a, a rich man's grave. And you can see all that in, in, in the New Testament. He was um, in the rich man's tomb, according to John chapter 19. And so all this is prophetic. All, this, all these promises, there's like over a hundred promises and prophecies that only come true about the Messiah, his, his death and his burial and his resurrection that only come true in Jesus. It's amazing stuff. Uh, the middle of verse nine, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Here's, this is just amazing. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. It pleased the Lord to crush him. For he, he, meaning God, has put on him or put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he's our sin offering. He's the pain taker. He's the chain breaker. He was innocent and became guilty so that those who were guilty could become innocent. He shall see his seed. He's talking about us. When you talk about his seed, we are those who put faith in Christ are his seed. We'll talk more about that in the days to come. But we are his seed. So he shall see his seed. And he shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Meaning it pleased God. It pleased God to make Jesus the Passover lamb. It pleased God in his wisdom and in his love to do that so that you and I could be adopted into the family of God. Verse 11, he shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied. And by his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil, the plunder. He shall divide the plunder um, with the strong Good stuff in there. I'm just going to keep going. Because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors. transgressors. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors, for the rebels. We were rebels. We were rebels. We were, we were enemies against God. God has never been our enemy, but we have been his. And, and we can't justify ourselves. Well, I'm a good person. The Bible says there are no good people. There are no good people. We, we measure people on a different standard. By the standard of righteousness, there are no good people. And so we've got to remember, we've got to remember that's what the law comes to do to show us that God is good, but he's the only one that's good. And we measure ourselves on a, on a skewed scale. But according to love, because God is love, and truth, because he's truth, and righteousness, because he's righteous, According to the true measurement, we don't measure up because we were born in sin. But he loves us with such a great love that he comes. That's why the Bible says in Romans that the, the, the preaching or the word or the message of the cross is foolishness. Foolishness to those who are perishing and those who don't believe. They think the cross is foolish. Well, it doesn't make sense. Why would he die? We're not that bad. We're not bad people. I'm a pretty good person. Just ask my neighbors. No, you don't need to ask your neighbors or ask different people. Ask God. Ask God. He's the one you're going to stand in front of. 
the opinions of others will fade away, vanish away when you stand before God. And he's the one that says there is no one righteous, no, not one. No one righteous, no, not one. But in his great love for us, he brings us the Passover lamb, the promise of the Passover lamb, that the righteous one became unrighteous so that unrighteous people could become righteous. And we can be made right with God through the Passover lamb. And once we've been made right with God, then, then all of a sudden he begins to live his life through us. And the preaching of the cross is foolishness. They don't understand it. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe, it's the power of God unto salvation. Matter of fact, your Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians. I don't know if I wrote it down here. Um, it's uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 8. It said, if the rulers of this world, and this is talking about the context of the wisdom of the cross and the Passover lamb, if the, if the rulers of this world would have known God's plan, would have known God's wisdom about sending his son to be the Passover lamb, to be our substitute sin offering, our substitute sacrifice, that he would die in our place. If, if the rulers, and I believe it's talking about the demonic rulers, uh, not the rulers physically that were leading in that time in Israel, but, but the spirits that were deceiving them the rulers and the principalities, the hierarchy, the chain of command listed in the Bible of the demonic realm, that the rulers of this age, if they would have known the wisdom of the Lord about the cross, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Because when the enemy came in and killed the son of God, the enemy thought he won. But in the wisdom of God, that's when the victory was released. The victory was released because the, the promise of the Passover lamb is that he's going to raise his son from the dead. Except it's not just going to be Jesus being raised from the dead. All who believe in him will experience his resurrection life. So I want to remind you for the rest of this week, up until Wednesday. Wednesday, you'll get a new scripture. Um, Exodus chapter 3, verse 8. Read it every single day, two or three times a day. Read it every single day two or three times a day. Pray, look for God's nature. Look for, look for, for who he is, his person. Look for, ask, ask him to show you stuff. Look for commands to obey. Let, let him just stretch you and grow you in this. Write down what he says to you. Uh, when it comes to that verse, as you focus on that verse, memorize it to meditate on it. And I want you to say it. I want you to see it. I want you to feel it like I, like I talked about earlier so that you can do it in your life. And the joy of the fulfillment of the promise of that verse can, can be yours right now by faith. And it will give you fuel to endure the process of preparation as he is unfolding the promise in your life. And then call somebody, call somebody outside of your household and, and maybe get a partner. Say, hey, I'll call you, you call me and you text them, get a partner through these 50 days and share what God is saying you know, to, to one another and take communion every day. Take communion with you, your family. Take communion every single day. I want to pray for you. I love you. I can't wait to be with you tomorrow. Um, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your um, revelation of your word. We thank you on this Good Friday for the Passover lamb that he took our place. We thank you for the exchange that occurs at the cross as we put faith in him. 
Father, I pray over every person that's watching this video. Father, if they do not know your son Jesus as Savior and Lord, if they have not received the gift of righteousness and eternal life through faith in the Passover lamb, the lamb of God, I pray, Father, draw them to Jesus that they may be saved in Jesus' name. If you need to give your life to the Lord, you just pray a simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life. I believe you are my Passover lamb, according to Isaiah 53. You took my place. So I believe you. I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. And I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Take my sin away and come live your life through me. Forgive me of my sins. You are the resurrected King, and I surrender my life to you, and I will follow you all the days of my life. Fill me with your Spirit and teach me your ways. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, let us know. Contact us at info at faithcenter.tv. Put a comment in there. Go tell your friends and family about it and, and get in a church that's going to teach you the Word of God. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.